friends, welcome to episode 59 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Um, allergies got me. Yeah, allergies yeah. got you. I think the wine gave me a little bit of heartburn. I've had a headache all day. I think we're just in top operating condition Yeah, this is, right this now. is clearly the week. This is what peak performance this looks is, this like. This is it. This is it. Right here. Right here. <laughs> Um, you guys can probably hear it in my voice. It's just, I'm, this morning I woke up and I was just like, God, I hope this isn't a cold and like an antihistamine and a little bit of allergy meds. And I was like, Oh, I'm doing much better. Yeah, that's great. Allergies. Just what I needed today. And so. then Rob is trying to grab himself a quick cup of tea to, 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 to ease his, uh, his voice before the, uh, for nope. the show. And I'm all like, uh, we go live in 60 seconds. He's like, okay, I guess I'm getting it later. Yeah. Yep. No worries. No worries. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no, nothing real new to report, although I will say we had a little bit of uh, an engineering boost here. Um, Sean was nice enough to uh, tool us some new 3D printed mounts for our microphones, and uh, I have to say, they turned out freaking fantastic. Oh my god, it was amazing, too. Yeah. Like, just, I, I knew he was discussing doing this, but then I right. look over at his screen on his computer, and he's got this, like, animated model showing how like, the thing screws together. 15 minutes after I asked... Like literally, yeah. I, I like like, hey, this is the kind of thing we need. And he's like, fifteen minutes later, he's he's doing this live stream to me of this perfectly three D modeled object. Came last week with a piece of for it, and uh, um, and tried it, and it was near perfect. And here comes my cup of tea. Thank you, sweetie. Oh my goodness! So thank Love you so you, much, Vicky. Big shout out. Yeah, big shout out to Vicky <laughs> for bringing me tea. That was fantastic. Just what I needed. Um, so, yeah. And then came back this week with two parts that are just flawless. So, uh, yeah. Hats off to you, uh, Heatsink. Thank you so King, much. Kings to you, Monday. That's right. Kings to oh, you. Oh, nice. Nice reference. Uh-huh. Nice reference. So, uh, yeah. That's about it. Um, everything else seems to be going pretty well. And uh, I don't know if we're going to have any problems with Patreon. I think the whole tax thing slid by us a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how it's it's... By end of month, they're they're going to finish things off, but we'll also get a new interface. So I'll get to see mm-hmm. if there's anything. So yeah, so hang in there, patrons. With it may not be as bad as we think. So well, I mean, it's only it's only a little bit of a little bit of sales tax yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. going to be making making a break in the bank for anybody. Nah. I don't think. All right. That being said, we have a topic this week that started out with us kind of having one idea for it, and then adding on. And, yeah, which and was it, good. There was some really good discussion that took oh, place yeah. on the Discord. Totally, it kind, totally. of, kind of came from uh, three or four different uh, different positions, and uh, so that's mm-hmm. talking about uh, personal plots. Yeah, um, that not is... just like for your characters, but like a plot that aligns with a particular character, whether it's a character or, like a PC or an NPC. Yeah, I mean, t- typically it's a PC, but you can absolutely mm-hmm. do do this with NPCs as well and such like that. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, giving giving plot to one specific character at your table. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of following that and seeing where that goes. Yeah. Um, like uh, uh, those of you familiar with uh, with Critical Role uh, mm-hmm. for the critters for the critters who listen to our show, um, you know this is one of the one of the more famous ones was like the Briarwood arc from uh, from the first season, okay. uh, where they followed Percy's uh, main story, and it was probably the most famous, most well liked arc. Okay. Um, collectively across the board there. But that was that's a great example if you're looking for an example of what a personal arc is, is where you've got one character's backstory mm-hmm. comes into the story to bite them in the ass. Yep. The villains that they wrote in their little, oh, this was the motivation for my character being who they are, mm-hmm. show up. Yep. And now the whole party has to jump in and resolve this for them. Yeah. And another, if you want to look toward like movie stuff that has uh, direct arcs, no different than Mondego. Mm-hmm. And, and what we just brought up, it's when you drive a single p- character uh, and the plot rotates around them. And, and again, uh, when you steal, when you uh, when you look at something like that, it doesn't mean that there aren't others involved. It doesn't mean that they don't have their own little stories, but their little stories are a scene here, uh, a small quest there um, that link directly with the main plot. Um, uh, a good example of that is um, through Musketeers. And the stories of D'Artagnan. Yeah. Because really, they're the stories of D'Artagnan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone else around them blend into those stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people are involved in each one. So it's a good way of looking at it as well. If you, No matter which one of the stories, it's usually just D'Artagnan that you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, so, uh, when you're, how do you, how do you make room for something like that? Like usually, usually when you're, when you're approaching writing a plot, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of doing it with a global sort of, sort of thing of like, okay, so the, the mega corporation is going to do this and the player is going to have to fight against them or the evil wizard on the hill is going to do this and then the player is going to have to fight against them. Um, so what, what do you do when you're, when you're building your whole world like that to make room for, oh, and by the way, John the Sorcerer. Well, I think you've got two different angles there. Mm -hmm. You've got what's happening in the world and the plot of the world, Mm -hmm. which should be very gray. I mean, we've talked about this before about leaving holes. Um, A lot of early storytellers would write stories like novels where they fill in every little detail so they know exactly what's going on with everything. That used to be me. Yeah. But but then as soon as somebody did something out of the box and it threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing because they were off script. Exactly. And that's the thing is is that when when you start writing a story on rails... You already are causing yourself pain. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things you can do is start with a very easy concept. If you can write in two sentences your plot, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. If it takes a page and a half to explain all of the people and the intricacies, dial it back. Because you haven't even met your characters yet. You really. You don't yeah. you don't know what's attached to that. Yeah. And so if you can say if you if your plot starts out with there's an evil dictator trying to take over t- trying to steal a powerful artifact perfect there you go mm-hmm. that that is the world plot that's going on okay now i have players i have a exiled prince i have a uh, a goblin sapper you know who's been you know who who is part of a community i have a paladin who is trying to become, you know, who's trying to become a greater paladin, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got a ranger who is, uh, you know, who's a city ranger. He's not a forest ranger. He's, he's basically a rogue, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, how do I now fit them in? Well, the best things you can do is look at their backgrounds. Look at what information they do give you. Now, D&D gives you backgrounds right off the bat because sure. they help you grant and so in that you're not necessarily asking the players for anything more than that they have to create on their sheet mm-hmm. and that already starts a little line into it yep um so that's where you start notching into your story okay so now you've got this villain you've got a direction for the villain where do these people now fit into that life yep i think that's a it's 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 a really important we've talked a lot about session zeros and about the the big importance of those, and mm-hmm. the the importance of having that sort of open dialogue with your with your players. Yep. yep. And I think this is really where it kind of comes to a head: is that right from from the get go? Yep. You know, you've got your setting, but you want to make sure that everything kind of meshes. And so, as everybody's kind of making their characters, have those discussions with your players mm-hmm. about like, okay, so your character's an exiled prince. Where are they from? Yep. Okay. Well, I don't know. Just some other kingdom. Okay. Well, how about mm-hmm. if they're from this kingdom? Could I suggest that the culture is a little bit like this? Yep. You might have this sort of involvement in your background. Does that sound good to you? Well, I was thinking more of something like this. Oh, okay. Maybe instead we make you from this kingdom over here. Yep. Yeah, that sounds good. Boom. Now yep. you're, you know that character's place in your plot mm-hmm. in your world, and now you can plan around them. Yeah, and there's nothing to say that if you're if you're doing whole cloth. Or even if you're doing advancement, like if you're dealing with Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. no Forgotten Realms. And if somebody knows it's slightly better than you and they're like, oh, I want to be, you know, uh, I want to be a red wizard in training of, of Thay. That's a pretty lofty goal for someone considering that one of them has to die or or be taken out to become a red wizard. Yeah, yeah. But I could see a, some young person doing that. Okay, so where are you from to become a red wizard of Thay? Well, I'm from this region. Okie dokie. That gives me a lot of information right there about who you are and the culture around you. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they say, "Well, that's not how I take it. I'm, I'm a very, you know, pious person. I'm very giving." Great. Your culture is not, and you know that. Oh yeah, they're terrible people. Good. Thanks. I'm right. not glad we have that lockdown. Ex- exactly. You know. Exactly. It's also the, you know, you have to remember the like. Oh, I was married, uh, but she died. Okay. Okay. Do you, you know what? What are the? I was very much involved with this woman. Okay. And we had a child, but we lost the child when she died at sea. Oh, that's tragic. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having to, you know, uh, having to give them up to my parents. Great. That's a that's a tragic story. So it's really hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm avenging her death and these this piracy. Excellent. I'm not going to use that pirate character at all because you have a vengeance against them. You're going to be searching for them the entire time. On the other hand, I will bring up the fact that that maybe your wife didn't die when she went overboard and has actually been a pirate queen. Uh, and she's been doing the same thing you're doing, and maybe one day the two of you will meet up. <laughs> Whoops, whoopsie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's it, you don't necessarily have to bite on their hook. Uh-huh. 
But if you find something in their past that works, that's great. Right. Likewise, you're going to have players who look at your look at their character sheet and like, yeah, uh, this is my background. I was a I was in the military, and uh, according to this, I uh, I also was a farmer. <laughs> so uh, that. And you know what? Sometimes that's good enough. Yep. That's good enough. Like not everybody needs the you know the huge dark tragic backstory that you know is is like a small novel in and of itself. Like honestly, some of the best characters I think I've ever you know written and or played uh, have been the ones that were like, yeah, you know, I grew up on a small farm and you know my father was an adventurer back mm-hmm. in the day and uh, you know when when he died and I was old enough to leave the farm, I took his old sword from his days as the captain of the guard. Yep. And um, went to go seek my fortune. Yep. Yep. Period. Yep. Done. Simple. F- easy. Father loved me. To the mother point. loved me. I had a good upbringing. Nothing tragic. No PTSD. Just uh, trying to follow in my father's footsteps. That's yep. it. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there is seriously nothing wrong with a character who is decently well-adjusted and becoming an adventurer. Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like, like not being well-adjusted lends itself to being an adventurer. But sometimes being the straight man in a group of crazies, oh no, no, works its own way. A- absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm just saying is that sane people usually don't go adventuring. What was okay. that? The uh, how, how was how was that? I, I saw it written. Uh, hey Bob, want to uh, leave your uh, your wife of six months and successful winery to go hunt vampires with me on the countryside? Nope. Well, it was dice hockey deal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so what kind of personal plots? exist like how how do personal plots roll out oh god yeah there's a there's a lot of different flavors of them um so you've got a like a section of the main story uh uh, that may follow an individual's background um Mm -hmm. so it it, it actually it does become the primary plot Mm -hmm. of the game um like the the aforementioned briarwood arc the entire is that the one about the sword uh no, it was uh, it's long and involved. Okay. Um, but uh, su- suffice to say, um, the character's backstory was that his entire family—he was a noble, sure—of noble uh, of noble birth. Uh, his entire family was essentially betrayed and slaughtered by a rival noble family. Oh, that sucks. Um, and that was what was handed to the, and he was basically the only one who got out alive. Like he thinks okay. his sister is still alive, but he's pretty sure like everybody else is dead. Sure. Um. And that was it. That was literally, he didn't even fill in, you know, what happened to them or anything like that. And so from there, the storyteller built a built. plot that exactly. followed along that line. So they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they At this point, they've ingratiated themselves with the uh, with the sovereign of the, mm-hmm. the area that they're in. Mm-hmm. And uh, these rival nobles show up as honored guests at dinner one, t- one day with the sovereign. Mm. Oh, we're welcoming the Briarwoods in from, you know, this this foreign land because they're forging a trade deal with us in the, you know, from the town of Whitestone, which was uh, Percy's hometown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they that they they graciously took over after tragedy uh, and illness befell and killed the entire uh, Dorolo family. Really? That's tragic. Exactly. And he's sitting there going like, what? the heck is going on the winners write history the entire party then basically says percy what's going on he says those guys did things and the entire party then went well they made the mistake of showing up at dinner here (laughs) we got your back yeah what do you want to do yeah and that player's personal plot then becomes the main plot of the story right the storyteller went out of his way to introduce that as the next major plot element right Okay. Laid it out on the table, literally. Exactly, exactly. So it wasn't like it was pursued individually necessarily by the by the player. Right, which I think falls more under like the quest design. Yeah. Where you've got a main plot going ahead and then someone's just like, you know, maybe their sword starts talking to them. The mm-hmm. relic that they received from their family. And so now that person wants to discover more about that sword. So they may lean into that and the group may lean into that as well and say like, yeah, let's find out what's going on with the sword. Because it's talking to you. Now, that may run parallel, in a way, to the actual plot line, the main plot line, or it could be, like we all love to call a side quest, Mm -hmm. which effectively is like a mini story. Mm -hmm. It's still in the world setting. Everybody's comfortable with the world setting now, but now you're running a different plot. The main plot's kind of on pause, or maybe certain elements will come out at certain times that, you know, like, oh, this information finally came to Mm -hmm. you. Or it's played during 
quote unquote downtime. Yeah. Like maybe you guys are traveling or have to get from point A to point B and it's along the way. Yeah. You know, um, all those kinds of things fit very well into the side plots. Some of the challenge of it may even be trying to accomplish the side plot while the main plot is issuing forward. Very much so. Um, You've got certain characters who will have goals and it may be like, well, I need to be in a certain place Mm -hmm. to accomplish this goal. And we're going to be going through a certain place, but we don't have time to really stop because uh, the evil wizard on the hill is not going to stop doing what he's doing or whatever. Right, right, right. So now I've got to figure out a way. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, we rest at the inn for the night. I may have to take a point of exhaustion because I'm going to be out all night trying to accomplish this thing. Right. And I think that's where really goals come in. And yeah. I think goals are important regardless of the type of story it is, is to make sure that if your player has a goal, that you listen to it. Yeah. And that that can become something that you follow mm-hmm. and help them with in these kind of quests. And again, it could be a part of a single session or it could span over multiple sessions. Right. You know? Right. So, uh, like a uh, Lord Thalian, our asshole bard, yes, uh, who's uh wants to become a shipping magnate. <laughs> yeah, which he's working on. Which he's working on, and actually, he's making some headway on. I so. would definitely say he is. <laughs> so, um, the even though arcs we normally think of uh, of single plots running as player arcs, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it can't be an NPC that runs that same arc. That's correct. Yeah. Um, a good example of this, uh, in 7th C, uh, there is a uh, general of basically the French army who was sent off to Russia to die. with Because basically they needed him out of the country so that he wouldn't start a coup. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems legit. And so one of the plots is literally getting to him a message and then getting him back. And having that kick off a revolution. Oh, right on. Okay. Um, so it really kind of follows him on the second half mm-hmm. of returning him. It's a, you know, it, for lack of a better term, it, you know, it's an escort mission that right. follows the end of it. Right. And there are certain events that occur along that path um, that are bound to specific characters. So as you're returning, they kind of, uh, 7C gives you some options of like, these are the types of people who'd want to meet with him. There's nothing to say that your characters aren't aware of these people and that they aren't part of the guideposts to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, members of other nations who are like, yeah, we know what's going on in your country, and by the way, we're behind you, or we're not behind you, and you will not make it back to your country because we agree with the king there, or the emperor there, that you shouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that. So a lot of times when we look at a main storyline that follows one character, uh, or in this case, one NPC, it doesn't mean that you can't have other PCs involved in connections. And I think connections are a point there that make that work with with following a known PC oh, yeah, kind of sure, plot absolutely. Line. You know, where at the beginning of the game, you may say, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to say that you know this individual, like he's your uncle, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to just give you a little write-up about he's a connection that you have. They have no idea when that's going to come in. Right, Until right. a letter shows up at their desk and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, the Brennan from Avalon has sent you a letter saying that, uh, you know, he needs to meet with you. Uh, as soon as possible in regards to something that's going on in Montaigne, you're like, well, I kind of know what's going on in Montaigne, so I'm going to reply with this, and now there's a subplot where he comes ashore, mm-hmm. you know, risking life and limb to get to you and to help the situation, you yeah. know? yeah. Things like that can definitely make the players, just from a simple connection point, be part of the plot. Oh, and especially be... when, you, when you've already established this person's family, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, if it's some rando NPC who's like, I need your help, you know, you're you're prone to tell that person to take a hike. Yeah. But uh, especially early on when players are making connections and they think connections are really important and you just start rattling off names to them and mm -hmm. sneak one in there that they're not aware is going to be evolved heavily later, Uh you know, or even better when they are aware of the world and you give them a connection and they look at you with that serious look of in meta, I know exactly who this person is. Like like you played cards with Drizzt. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I have. Oh, my character doesn't know what that means. Shit. You know. We, uh, uh, in fact, uh, Sean's uh, Dragon Heist Waterdeep, Waterdeep Dragon Heist uh, game started off kind of like that, where Volo hires you for your initial job. Oh, Volo. Nice. And, uh, of course, my character is this, like, naive, um, uh, naive paladin. She's, like, level one, you know. 
uh, raised in the temple because her she was a tiefling and her parents basically didn't want anything to do with her. You know, she was she was this tainted little evil baby, so they mm-hmm. gave her the church of the sun god. And uh, so she's like, oh, yeah, uh, this Volo guy, whoever the hell he is, he says he's an author, like, that gives him some weight, you know? <laughs> Anyways, whatever. I don't he, read. Whatever. He paid well enough for the job, yeah. so <laughs> he'll probably amount to nothing, but... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, and as I, like, uh, there's no rules on this either. We're not saying that you have to have a game that's wrapped around characters at the beginning, nor do you, nor does it say that you have to, you can't throw them in dead center. Like, if you're rolling with your plot and something kind of catches your giddy-up, there's no reason why you can't go back to your players' backgrounds and throw something in there. Yeah, sure. You know, where now it's involving them mm-hmm. for a little while while you kind of get your plot back on its feet and figure out where you're going to move with it. You yeah, know? absolutely. It's it's good sometimes to run a side quest or a character arc when you're not sure of mm-hmm. where you're going. Like, let it follow somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Let it run a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, the, the fate of the world doesn't always have to be at, at stake, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you, sometimes it's okay to just have, like, relative calm and peace in your world, at least as far as the players are concerned, and allow them time to just work on their own stuff, you know? Indeed. That's Indeed. one of those things that, like, kind of bothers me about, like, video games. Like, Skyrim, you know, as much as I love the... the uh, the Elder Scrolls universe, mm-hmm. you know, everything is always like, <gasps> the world's going to end if you don't insert plot point here. Right, right. And it's like, well, how do people put thousands of hours into this game, you know, doing odd random side quests? Like, how do you reconcile that with the world will literally end if we don't solve this immediately? And yet you can play for 600 hours and the mm-hmm. plot just doesn't move, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it's okay to just be, you know, not have something on the burner. <laughs> Right. I mean, we we laugh when we look at the uh, uh, the flip, you know, where it's two dragons and a troll sitting around a table playing corporates, you know, corporates and homelands. Yes. You know, yes. and you're like, OK, uh, you just got home and your wife uh, burned dinner. You know, oh, roll uh, for, yeah. roll for initiative. You have, oh, okay, I, 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 uh, I, uh, I, I, I roll for uh, communication and, and use my cell phone to call for pizza. Oh shit! I rolled a one. You broke it. It fumbled out of your hand and fell across the across the tile floor. No, I didn't have insurance. Exactly. Uh, Knox in the box is in our live chat. Um, and he he says, uh, I hate that because then where do you go after that? Um, do you mind clarifying that actually? Cause I'd, I'd love to, love to answer that question for you. Where do you go after what? Uh, a section of peace and downtime? Yeah. Or, or are you talking about when, you know, things, when, when you're done with a character plot, like which, which question there get, you know, kind of come. Or where do you go after the big uh, end of the world plot? I that's, think. that's always that, fun. That might be the other thing. That you yeah. Mean. And, and sometimes like. I, I like the end of Princess Bride for that, so it kind of helps it. Instant world saving, exactly. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So, so Wh- think where of do the... you go after that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Look at the end of uh, the end of Princess Bride. You literally, the characters are like, you know. So what are you gonna do? You know, have you ever mm-hmm. thought about taking up piracy? No. You know, that literally is another plot unfolding right there. Because you can literally say, six months later, well, on the dr- ship of the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. You know, the Pirate and, Ship Revenge. You know, a letter is received, and it's Wesley messaging you that something's wrong with the child of Buttercup. Uh-huh. Oh, oh shit. Well, I got to get back, you know. And you come to find out that it was twins. So, and it's that that's it. But that's not the plot. The plot is about something that's happening locally, and now, you know... Yeah, maybe they have to go save Fezzik or something. Um, I I mean, but you do bring up an interesting point. He says, uh, "Man of Steel went right to saving the planet. Superman could have started smaller, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, and I mean, overall with plots, uh, I think that's it's great to um, it's great to start small. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you do have room for escalation. Yep. Um, second off, uh, typically if you if you if your world does allow for for things like heroes to exist." Mm Um, why are your level three characters the ones saving the planet? They don't have to be. Um, instead of these, you know, level, you know, mythical level 20 characters that you've got tooling around standing next to the king as his advisors. Right. Um, and likewise, I think this is actually a great place where personal plots do come in to bring mm-hmm. it back around to the main topic is that it roots your, your, your players. It brings them back down to earth. Yeah. Um, because you get away from the big, oh my god, high magic, dragons and fairies and extra planar travel and whatever else you're doing, Mm -hmm. and brings it down to, you know, Carl, those goblins killed your mom, and you've always been saying you want revenge. 
we've got a minute. Yeah. You want to go hunt some goblins? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're murder hoboing through this. We're but murder hey. hoboing through this, but like, you need some closure. Yeah. Let's say we go get that closure for you, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's sometimes it's nice just to have those little those little quests, and it gives the storyteller a breather to kind of like, you know, de-escalate things. The, the end of Disney's Three Musketeers. Yeah. You know, I would, my sister will have her honor. Okay. Let's go get him. <laughs> like the entire <laughs> yep. three musketeers, you know, the rest of the musketeers go rushing after this dude, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And it's, it's comedy into itself, but it's telling of where do you go? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the next stage after you do whatever you do? And it brings up a good point, too, because um, I think when we're talking about the different types of, of character plots, mm-hmm. um, it's important to note that throughout the life of your campaign, you're going to be mixing and matching these. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, this isn't a pick one and deal with it situation. Right. This is a, like, this plot here might surround, you know, it might be the main plot because one of your characters handed you a nice, big, fat, juicy uh, uh, plot hook and you bid on it and wham, you tied it right in your main plot and now suddenly that character is kind of the main character for that plot. Mm-hmm. Then you might roll into some downtime where you take care of some personal plot. Mm-hmm. Then you might go on to a mystery. attention to like what happened to this other NPC over here. Yep. And then back into another personal plot. You know, it's it it will ebb and flow through these. Definitely. And, and don't Definitely. be afraid to do that. You yeah. Know? And I think a good ebb and flow uh, comes out of uh, TV programming because you can kind of get a feel for good TV shows. Um. Where they have that, where like, yeah, Avatar wasn't every episode the Fire Nation attacking. Mm-hmm. There were so many times when they were traveling and would run into random people. Yeah. You know, and it was comical because it would be like, great, now we can go do this thing. And then literally out of the brush, hello there. And they would literally stare like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Okay, so what is it going to be this time? You guys need food? You need money? Are you secretly bandits? My wife is pregnant. Your wife is pregnant. Of course she's pregnant. Don't tell me. You're going to Ba Sing Se. In fact, we are. Great, you can follow us through the Dragon Spire. Nobody goes through the Dragon Spire. That's the most <laughs> dangerous way to go. Really? Do you have another way? Yeah, we have the secret pass. Well, shit, why didn't we know about that? You <laughs> right, know? right. Exactly. So it's 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 the... There's nothing to say that everything has to be world-ending. There can be mysteries that are discovered mm-hmm. about the world that then give you credence to other pieces. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of doing that in my story right now. I just finished, uh, or I shouldn't say just, a few weeks ago we had an episode where you guys rediscovered one of the old towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally at the end of it you were all like, well, that was kind of off plot. And the answer is, yeah, it was. It was a little bit of world. Sure. I just paused things for a minute mm-hmm. and gave you guys a little bit of world and then pointed you at the end of it to the next part of plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To kind of bring it back around because I didn't want it to just be plotty, plotty, plot, plot. Right, right. Because we just had heavy plot in the previous episode. Sometimes you need to just take that breather. That's and right. just have some world building. And just yeah. have some, you know, the world is not going to fall down around you, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, so you want to talk a bit about uh, working with your players? Yeah, and kind yeah, of, I kind, kind of threw of get, that in. Where, where to get these plots in the first place and kind of how to weave them in. Yeah, let's let's start with where to do it, and then the counterpoint to that a little bit that we haven't talked about in all of this, which I I had completely forgotten about and I think is very important, but we'll get to that. So when you're looking at, once you've got your two-line, if you're opening a new game, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got your plot, or if you're in an existing game, think about the important facts. What are the facts of your character, of those characters that you have in your game? Write Mm -hmm. their name, write down a simple facts about them. Keep it very straightforward. You don't need to rewrite their entire history out. Just the facts that you have, where they're from, what their goals are. Uh, Did they leave a blank for you? Look for a blank in there. There may be blanks. There usually are. And if there, Um, if there aren't, maybe again, that's, that's a discussion to have with your player during, mm -hmm. during the session zero. You know, this is, I, I think everything we're about to talk about here goes with the understanding of this should be part of a discussion that takes mm-hmm. place during character creation. Yes. You know. As time goes on, though, and this is where you can add to that, is that it's, there's nothing wrong with tracking your characters and knowing what they did. Mm-hmm. So you can always come back to that because there's nothing that says 26 episodes in, you know, after episode three where your char- where they, that character haphazardly ignored a you know, a child urchin and send them back to the orphanage that that kid now doesn't hate them. And there's now a vendetta plot that's running in the background. That's a thing. That that happens. Mm-hmm. So session zero is about creating background, but it's also about you as a storyteller understanding what's important to that character. Yes. And where they stick out. 
Uh, so you want to you want to establish what goals they have. Goals are important. Goals are very important. So, like, what does this character actually want? I mean, typically you don't just become an adventurer to just become an adventurer. Okay, I've got a sword. Now what? You know, typically right. there's there's a goal in mind. Yeah. You know, either and maybe that goal is something as simple as I want to strike it rich, mm-hmm. or I want to, uh, you know, have fantastic adventures so that I can write about them. Yeah, I want to have a reputation that is positive and people talk about me everywhere. Yeah. You know, maybe. maybe I just saw the little guy getting stepped on a little bit once too many, and uh, I decided to take up a sword and, and fight for them. Yep. You know. And there's there's nothing – I, I want to stay hidden. That That's a whole other thing is, is like my life sucked before, and I am not that person. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm creating a new life for myself, and I'm leaving that one behind. Mm-hmm. You know? I just really hate goblins. That, that's a thing. That's a thing, you know? So having that card, if you will, in your, your folio ready to pull and say, okay, what part of this do I want to pull out and drag into a plot to fill in a hole? And it doesn't have to be a perfect fit. <clears throat> Remember that whenever you're doing um, stories about characters, there are always gaps. There mm-hmm. are always things that your char- that your players won't be aware of and may be surprised about. For instance, if your character, if someone hands you a two-page essay on their on their character that explains their entire heritage and their parentage and where everybody came from and everything's nice and clean and how they were trained and how they have this amazing weapon, you know, which is basically their starter weapon, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that they made it out of college, you know, whatever this kind of, you know, fighting school. And now they're out in the world and, and, you know, this person directed them to them, you know, directed them to, to the King and everything. So they literally have it cut and dry. There is nothing that says that most of what they believe is a lie, mm-hmm. you know, that it is their vision of the truth and that in, in truth, the grandfather is a maniacal person who is literally manipulating the entire process to make sure they got where they're going mm-hmm. and that the entire time that they're there, there's little manipulations to get them moved forward as a plot, as their own little plot to run forward. Sure. Uh, no, I think it's also worth noting, too, that, like, just to kind of piggyback off of that, though, is that it's also um, important to figure out what your player's expectations are. Um, not only just your in-character goals, but also what does your player want out of the story? Um, and, like, in your your example there of just, you know, making their, their grandfather a, you know, they, they might hand you a story that says that, that their their family was all wonderful and fine and upstanding and stuff like that. Um, if their expectation is maybe like kind of a more wholesome story and such like that, um, if they're looking for just like a, uh, to, to, you know, I don't know, further their family's good name or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, maybe think on that and not necessarily turn like, you know, yep. oh, oh, by the way, your grandfather's pure evil. Like right. that, that might be altering the expectations of the player right. a little bit too but much. But it comes down to the goal of the player sure. where they're going. Sure. And but it's, it's but the but the goals of the player I'm saying are mm-hmm. just as valid as the goals of the character. Correct. And, and it's just something to keep in mind. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Don't drive them off the cliff of of darkness and like, oh my God, my whole family history is a lie. No. Your parents had no clue. Mm-hmm. Everything that you know is to be true. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that he wanted to put you right where you're going to be. Right. It doesn't and give you the an fact option. That you are a good person. Right. Like mm-hmm. he, he yeah, literally we got to this point because he wanted you to kill this guy so that you could become someone. Mm-hmm. And like, wait a second. You planned all this. You you're the one who coordinated the pirate attack. You were the one who killed these thirteen people. Like, well, I had to prepare you. Life is about death. Okay, you're the villain here. <laughs> this guy's just a chode. I'm putting him in jail. Well, you're supposed to murder him because he's the villain. Nobody's gonna believe that I'm a villain. Mm-hmm. I just paid people money, right. you know. And that's the kind of thing that twists things. So, we do have one other player type. We have one other player type that we keep forgetting about. And I'm really, really glad for the Discord. Yep. Because this discussion came up, and uh, this is basically wrote this entire part of this of this of this cast for us. So, and that is the spectator player. Yes. We 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 talk about spectators as people who aren't playing the game, but we talked about them in a previous session, uh, a previous episode, where it's like the you know the wife of a friend who's actually playing Mm -hmm. because they want to be together. They're more of a spectator player. They're really not necessarily involved in the plots or anything. They want to play D and D and they want to play with their significant other, but they don't want to add anything to it. They just want to hang out and be supportive. Or, you know, maybe they, maybe they're, they're more introverted. 
you know, uh, that's uh, definitely a, a, a thing I've seen as well, is you've got players who are unco- they're they're okay being in a group of friends, and they're okay playing a game together, but they're not okay having the spotlight shined upon them and having an entire table full of people look at them and say, what is the decision you are making that's going to drive the entire group? You know? And I, I think that's that's a lot of like where you get your your spectator characters as well. It's not yeah. even that they're that they're only tangentially part of the group; they're very much part of the group. Yeah, but just don't hand them the spotlight. That's you know, that's that's not fun for them. No, you know? especially if it's a new system, or it's a new table, or it's a new storyteller, or it's a whole new world style. They might not be prepared for twenty questions. Yeah. Absolutely. They 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 don't want to get into the breadth and depth of their character. They just want to play the system and, and try and figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And for that, encouragement is good, but pressure is bad. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. that's the key. And so it's a lot of this is about knowing your players and knowing which ones are your spectators, which ones are your active participants, and which ones you're going to want to avoid shining the light on and just let them play their character, let them be a support character in the role, and, and just go from there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we have good questions we and i want to give enough questions. time for these questions so i think we've got good amount of time right now that we can probably dive into these where do you want to start uh i kind of want to stop and uh, start at the top okay go um, for it so uh this comes from Knox in the box okay. uh who is with us in the uh in in the live chat right now mm-hmm. um he's uh, also saying like I'm just saying Knox has amnesia but if you give him a wife and kids he doesn't know about he's going to tie them up and burn that cottage down I don't want them <laughs> That that's a perfect way of saying it, don't do don't, don't shove give it on too me. much I know there's I know where the spotlight is if I want if I want to step into it All right well let's get into the questions yep. then So stemming off of that and mm-hmm. this this was uh, Knox was the inspiration for the you know for the for the discussion about the uh, about the uh uh the spectator yeah. characters uh and he came to this uh this question here um if you have a pc that is timid or shies away from the spotlight and personalized plots what can the dm do with this i mean the uh, short answer is nothing you don't have to you don't have to nope there is no action that is necessary there is that person having fun sitting at your table without the shot the spotlight shining on them yep good then you're doing things right yep are they comfortable are they playing the game are they rolling the dice are they enjoying the camaraderie of of people at the table is everyone making are you making sure that they're as comfortable as possible yeah and enjoying themselves and that's all that matters we've talked before about the assumption of friendship at the table Mm -hmm. and that's i think that's part of it right there Mm -hmm. is just making sure that your players are comfortable you know be a good host yeah to your game and in that make them comfortable and let them sit there's nothing to say that when a party happens that everyone at that party wants to be there and having a full conversation and, and be part of that conversation. Some mm-hmm. people like sitting in the back and just listening. That's me. Honestly, I like people watching I mm-hmm. go to parties. I sip a drink. I have a chat with a friend yep. and that's it. Yep. You know, I'm not out on the dance floor. Nope. Nope. It's not, it's not necessary for everybody and you can still have a great time. Yep. Yep. So Technolich asks, uh, if you have a player that has unique requests, uh, such as last of their species, a player-specific secret quest, etc., based on the yes-and principle, what are some ways that you recommend incorporating oddball requests into your gaming group? Honestly, I think early on as a storyteller, you're often wanting to kill requests uh, because it adds a challenge. Yeah, um, but in in truth, I think oddball requests are okay, and really shouldn't change much. I think they can if it's a world shattering kind of thing, um, but I think you should weigh it with mm. where it affects your plot, not necessarily the world, but where it affects your plot. Because honestly, if it doesn't affect the plot at all, let it happen. Yeah, I think if I think if it doesn't affect the plot at all, it's maybe not too oddball. Um, but uh, I think that the big question for me um, is maybe a little less about the plot and more about how much of the oddball condition is going to be soaking up the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, how much how much of a special snowflake is this character going to need to be mm. on a moment to moment basis? And here's the thing that I say about that. And and it took me a while to kind of come to this when I was reading the question and, and going over it in my head was how many times have you watched a cartoon or a TV show where one of the characters is absolutely ridiculous and the whole world just doesn't give a shit. 
Yeah. Like, they just treat them like they're a normal person unless they say something that is out of context for that social environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it's a chicken. There's only one person who recognizes chicken boo, but everyone <laughs> else thinks he's some hotshot star, mm. you know, and just keeps going with that. And even when he then when he says something ridiculous and, you know, which is just him clucking, they're all like, <gasps> how could you say that about them? You know, and it's like, wait. You you understand them like the, even that person thinks it's ridiculous, but that's yeah. the whole point is that you don't necessarily have to make oddball oddball. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. It can be off. It can be tragic, but you have to listen into what the request really is. What is it about that that they want? Do they want it to be something unique? And what part of it do they want to be unique? Yeah, yeah. You know, oh yeah, I'm a uh, I'm going to be a bug warrior. Okay. You're fine with that? Sure. All right. So now, instead of your town being just humans, dwarves, and elves, there's also contingent in there of bug warriors that were brought in brought in as slaves, had their freedom, like, just happened 10 or 15 years ago, and everyone in town kind of gives them a weird look because that freedom was hard fought. Mm-hmm. And so people kind of look at them like, well, they're warriors and they killed a bunch of guards and, you know, the slavers that had them and some people were slaving them, but I wasn't the people who, who was enslaving them, mm-hmm. you know, so they shouldn't be aggressive toward me, you know, but that attitude still sticks in their head. Sure. So sure. it's just a little social construct that doesn't change a damn thing about the game. Yeah. yeah. It may change. And in RPGs, you see this all the time that if you pick a weird race, like, you know, m- maybe in the forgotten realms, you pick a drow character yeah, some of the dialogue choices may change ever so slightly, but it doesn't change the plot. Yeah, that's it. There's, I, I, I think though, um, something like that takes a level of trust with your characters or with your players. I mean, definitely. Um, because I, I've seen it happen before, where somebody does have the oddball request, mm-hmm. and the storyteller does the math on it and says, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, sure, I can say yes to that. That's not going to affect the plot any," and it ends up consuming every moment of the game like you know okay i'm gonna play a bug warrior okay this shouldn't affect too much here let me you know adjust some things in your backstory so that boom bug warriors now fit in my whatchamacallit okay so what does the party want to do we want to hunt goblins i want to hunt goblins we want to hunt goblins okay bug warrior what do you want to do i want to go eat grass because my character eats grass okay you eat some grass now what now i'm gonna build a hive Okay, I see where this is going. This is you the know, explosive flatulence character. Yes. This has nothing to do with the story. This is everything to say, okay, we just did a session zero, and you completely derailed the story by being you. Yeah. Are, are you wanting to run this game? Like, in a direction? Because that's what I'm getting the feeling. You don't want right. to play with the other players. So, I, I think... Um, so, the, the the question the question was asked um, based on the yes and principle, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, Knox did actually ask, what what is the yes and principle in the, in the live chat here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, the yes and principle is um, typically a, a rule from improv. You mm-hmm. never say no in improv. Mm-hmm. If somebody hands you something in, in, in an improvisation, you don't say no. You say yes and. You accept it. You... You, you put it into your reality and you build off of that. Mm-hmm. The story continues, yep. assuming that that thing is. Yep. I think, however, character creation is one of those places you can say no. Like in gameplay, generally as a DM, you wanna you want to not tell your characters no. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be that that storyteller who's like, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, that has some consequences, and then you your story continues from there. That's yes and. Yes, and might be something bad, but at least you said yes. Right. You know, and the story continues. But I think during character creation, like, before the story really gets going, if somebody hands you an off-the-wall idea and you really just don't think that it's going to fly, you don't have to yes and that. I think that's true for most storyteller DM-style game styles. I think that when you start moving into the com- uh, combined game styles, collaborative, mm-hmm. like, uh, City of Mist or Fate or something like that where everyone's involved in the process, it's a group thing that will say, like, how does that fit in? Like, everybody's going to ask that question. Yeah. Like, where does yeah. that fit in? And now they have to explain it. And if they explain it well enough and they think it's going to work, then, yeah, I think that'll be just fine. But I think it would weed itself out in those situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Uh, 
I don't know. Do you, do you think Sam, we think we answered the question? I think we did. Okay, 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 okay. So Sam asks, as a DM GM, how do you go about a situation when a player wants to incorporate a personal plot of their own into the story, but it either doesn't go with the flow or wouldn't make any sense? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've kind of had this happen. It's it's not it's not quite as bad as like the oddball request, mm-hmm. um, where your character just wants to you know go and build a hive because they're a bug and just utterly ignore that there's plot happening, you know. Um, but sometimes you do get those characters who are like, well, I've got a personal idea, I've got a personal agenda, and I want to go do it. And you're like, you do you realize that like the dragon is going to burn down the town together or tomorrow, and maybe now is not the best time to go looking for your jilted lover. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I get that that's something you want to do, but there there is a plot mm-hmm. and you're in a party mm-hmm. and there's people depending on you, mm-hmm. you know. So what do you what do you do with that? You know, um, again, there were there would be definitely times when I'd be like, no, we're, we're you know, you need to stay with the group. It doesn't make sense why your character would be doing this on other occasions. You know, I might say why mm-hmm. like we, we've spent 16 sessions Working up to this point, you know, uh, tell me why your character's moving in this direction. Well, actually, I've been planning on backstabbing everyone, you know, and so this is a way that I can, you know, head off in this other direction. So you're leaving the group. Yeah. Okay. Don't come to next session. We're mm-hmm. going to do a private session after that. That's literally what I would do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do a private session. You're not going to be at the next session. Well, can I show up and watch? Sure. You can show up and watch, but your character's not going to be there. Yep. You know, I might give you an NPC or two to play that are guards or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's it. And then come back to them and say, okay, we're going to run the session and everyone's going to sit here and watch you run your session so that you can work through whatever it is. And if your character's leaving the group, then you just left the group and you're gone. Yeah. Make a new character. But I, I would say anytime that you've got a player who literally wants to go counter to the plot and none of the other players want to go with them. Mm hmm. You've got to ask that player, like, are you leaving the game? Is this character leaving the game? Yeah. Because that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Sometimes sometimes characters don't have anything to do with the party anymore. Yep. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that doesn't say that after whatever gets done, that the group doesn't catch up with that individual. Mm-hmm. And now you can have, like, okay, well, here's what's happened in the last three months while you've been doing this solo. You know, you got this done, you got this done, this done, you then got robbed, and bandits came and did this, and, you know... God, I'm having flashbacks to Final Fantasy VI, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, Shadow gets, like, left, you know, left for dead or something like that, and you're like, no, he was one of my favorite characters, Shadow, no! And then, like, three or four hours later in the main plot, you go into some bar, and he's just there drinking with his dog next to him, and you're like, oh, it's you! And he's like, oh, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, I got that done. It took me like oh, two days. Yeah, got no Mary Bar- narrowly made it out of that, uh, yeah. and then washed up on shore. Got taken care of by some travelers, and you know. Yep. I mean, Seven C Second Edition has whole sections about how to handle stepping out of plot and stepping mm-hmm. back in, and it's literally just that. It's like just make another character roll in. Uh, so I I actually had a uh, a character recent or I should say a player um uh, recently well player character I guess you know sure whatever try try to essentially uh, uh leave the group like that as well mm-hmm. uh and that was uh, Lord Daly and our, mm-hmm. our, our our resident infamous asshole bard um and you know when I kind of asked the players kind of kind of out of character like what do your characters want to do. Um, where do you want to head next? There was uh, a lot of discussion about, oh, we should follow this plot thread or this plot thread. And uh, Sean, who plays Thalian, was like, uh, actually, well, I want to go off this direction. And I'm like, there's, I mean, there's always going to be plot no matter where you go, but those are none of the threads that I handed you guys. Right. And so um, what I ended up doing is actually just having a, a, a chat with him. Yeah. You know, in, in out of character, just in real life, and just said, you know, hey, like, are are you not enjoying the game? You know, are you not enjoying my current plot? Do you not feel like your character has a place in the plot? And the discussion that we we ended up happening was was that, well, no, no, I think the plot's fine, um, but I also feel like there's a whole world out there mm-hmm. that I want to go explore and adventures I want to have and things I want to look into. Because like I said, we're playing the Elder Scrolls settings. We're both, sure. we're both pretty big fans of the Elder Scrolls series. You know, he wanted to go explore a lot of different things. Excuse Some me. of those were personal goals for his character. Some of those were just curiosities and whatnot. Right. Um, and felt like where the plot was currently centered, that we weren't going to get there. 
And right. uh, all that took was just that that discussion and me just kind of assuring him of like, no, no, buddy, you're you're seeing just like the this is the intro plot essentially. Right, right. Once once you guys in like five or so game sessions or however long it's going to take, mm-hmm. you know, resolve this this thing with the with the with the poppy king. Mm-hmm. Um, the, essentially, the world's going to be your oyster. Kind of after that, there's going to be some additional plot, but the world's going to open up a lot to you. There's going to be a moment where you guys are going to have some downtime. You can do some exploration, et cetera, et cetera. So don't don't feel like you need to skip out on the current plot to go explore your things. You're going to have time. Right. I right. just need your patience right now. Yep. And your trust in me as a storyteller that I'll allow for that. Yep. And that was all that took. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Yep, yep. As, as, as long as we're going to get there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's not always about I want to sabotage the group. Sometimes it's just a simple mismanagement of expectations. Mm-hmm. Your player wants to go one direction, doesn't feel like they're getting there fast enough. Yeah, just just reassure them that they'll get there. Yeah, there, there's a place, there's yeah. a time for that. There's a place and a time. Don't mm-hmm. worry, mm-hmm. sit tight. We'll get there. Yeah, but always keep in mind, like we we're saying, your 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 uh, spectator characters are going to be there for the ride. Mm-hmm. They may still step in every once in a while and throw their own bones into a scene or into a plot or something may drive them moment to moment, but it doesn't mean that you are you have to expect something dazzling from them every week or expect to bind them into some kind of plot piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what that would be the, the best takeaway I can take from, from that part of it is that um, if you have players who are incorporating plots help them be like make them they obviously want to be part of it mm-hmm. don't immediately just say no to everything read through find the goals see what's in there play with them a little bit see yeah. what you can do see, see what you can sandbox up um but don't be afraid to say no if it really makes it difficult for you and tell them that like i don't know how comfortable i would be with adding that to my story mm-hmm. it's not that it's a bad idea for them it's that you're just not comfortable telling that story. Yeah. That's it. That's ho- valid. That hopefully they would understand that because that's, that's really the truth. That's valid. And the storyteller is a player too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to sound weird, but it's storytelling consent. Mm-hmm. Like y- they, are, they are consenting to listen to your story as you run it. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping that you will incorporate, act, you know, pieces of of their world that they're giving you in those pieces. Yeah. So it's a consensual relationship in that sense. No different than if you're doing collaborative gaming. Yep. Where everybody's throwing in a piece and then we're passing that stick off between each other as we're telling the story. Excellent. Excellent point. So, so, uh, next week, we, oh, wait, no, we're oh, done no. yet. Oh, we got, we got more? two more questions. Knox oh, asked three I, questions this I week. I did not see the other ones on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. All right. So should you – Knox comes, comes comes back with a couple more questions. Uh, should you try a smaller scale oh. targeted story to give a taste of what a personal plot can be or do you let them sit back and simply be content to support the rest of the players? Mm. Oh, I think there's a follow-up on his, uh, on, his, on his small – like what do you do with a spectator character essentially? Hmm. Do you do you think like a smaller you know to, to kind of ease them into it? And what do you think a smaller plot like that would look like? Well, I mean, small plots aren't necessarily. I, I consider a small plot something that's like a couple episodes that you can literally wrap up in like three or four scenes. Sure, okay, that's a small plot for mm-hmm. me. So you know, uh, you find out you know uh, your the sword that you're carrying that your family's it's your family heirloom. Uh, that's not the original scabbard for it. It mm-hmm. was stolen. You know, and what's so big about why would they want the scabbard? Well, that's a good question. So now you have a scene where you figure out some information about that. You find out where it was lost. Now you go and retrieve said lost thing and then discover something new. That's it. You just discovered something new. Yep. It's not necessarily going to lead you to another plot point or anything like that, but it's it's done in a couple scenes effectively. Can I borrow Appa? Why is it your chance? Your turn to go on a magical uh, a magical field trip with Zuko? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yes. Um, yeah, yeah no, like I, I, I think it's, I think it's perfect. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, th- I think something like that might be okay. Yeah. You know, it's because it's not world shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the stakes are very low, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the anxiety that I've seen in in my more spectatory players, right, uh, is that they don't want. Uh, they don't like the spotlight being on them because they don't like the anxiety of everybody else's expectations being dependent upon them. Sure. And so if the if the stakes of the plot are small, 
of just, hey, guys, can we go get the scabbard from this place or this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yep. Okay, cool. You Even if it's and... just one or two of the characters doing it. Yeah. Like, a, a good another good example is if you're running something like Shadowrun, mm-hmm. and right in the middle of, like, a heist, maybe you're breaking into this, you know corporate exec's office to get his security key card uh that's you know special encrypted that's literally would t- will take them a month to replace so you've got like three days while he doesn't notice it's there because he's on vacation mm-hmm. you know to get it get in and get out and while you're there on the wall is a piece of art that is a picture of your mother and it's recent and she's been dead quote unquote for five years and you're like i need that painting and i need to know where he got it oh so now you've got a data hack. You've got a, so at that point in the story, you're like, "Is this the part of the TV show where they pause for next week?" And the answer is yes, because yes. now the party's like, "Oh shit, are you going to want to do that?" And now they could talk for a second and be like, "Are you doing this, dude? Or are we coming back here and like side quest, mofos?" Exactly. <laughs> so you just you throw together a little, a couple extra scenes in the heist uh-huh. that finally finishes out. Yeah, you know, and yep. it's those types of things that you can throw into moments like that where. Things can get a little more serious. Someone enters a room and now there's a conversation that has to happen or a duel or something like that. It can just be seen. That's a small personal plot Mm -hmm. that can just evolve very quickly and move on. Uh, I, I think ultimately, though, um, to, to, to kind of fully, you know, kind of come back and answer the, the, the whole question here, um, was it, or, or do you let them sit back and simply be content to support the other players? And I, I think the main, the main thing is to have a an out of character discussion with that player yes and just say like okay so what um you know you you've stated you're going to be uncomfortable with you know the spotlight on you or at least you you have acted uncomfortable when the spotlight was on you yeah can we talk about that a little bit yeah what what are your goals as a player what are your goals as a character and you know do you want more of the spotlight on you in is there something different that i could do to accommodate it for you or do you just not want that yep and if they say no, then don't even give them the little thing, you know? Yep, exactly. Make sure they're comfortable with it. Yep. Um, and there's, and I will say there is a key, there is not much of a difference between putting the spotlight and having the character make a decision and having the spotlight show up. Yeah. So, for instance, D'Artagnan is a good example because the guys keep coming to restore the honor of his sister mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And he kind of wants nothing to do with them. He doesn't want anything to do with that plot. He wished that plot would die a long time ago, mm-hmm. and yet they keep showing up and and screwing things up at, at different turns and things. Now, granted, in most cases, it's a nuisance more than anything else, but it's not kind of directly related. Likewise, if you've got a player who's very supportive of the group and something comes up to offend them, and the other players step up to do the defense and handle the situation while they silently kind of sit in the corner, like, no, no, no. He's part of our team. What did you say to him? Yeah, right. You know? No, you just... No, you finish your beer. You know? We've got this. When the giant... <laughs> you know, when, when the giant steps up who's part of your group, like the the half troll or whatever, uh-huh, and uh-huh. literally kind of just pushes you to the back edge of the table, and he just says, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know? And clears out the bar of those guys, and then sits back down and is just like, do you want another pint? And just ignores that the situation happened. Right, right. You know, sometimes that's a thing, but that's still putting that person in the light, and you have to be aware of that. Yeah. So... So the last follow-up question is, how do you make your players feel empowered in their smaller plots and roles? And I think the, the, the simple answer to that is celebrate their victories. Every time. Every time. Every time. That does not mean gift them. Does That not that, that doesn't mean extra XP. Uh, but it could mean something as simple as when they do something like that happens and they're in it and you want to encourage them, uh, inspiration die. Or something very simple. It doesn't have to be world shattering. Or just let them let them have their victory and give them you know give them the happy ending you yep. know of uh, that th- 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 they were looking for. Everything turns out well at the yep. end of their little plot. Yeah, you know that's no, not a bad way to go. So no tricksies, no uh, no 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 back turning on it. No. Nope. All right. So next week we're doing a revisit of our first episode. Yes. Worlds of potential. We're actually coming back around. We're to coming it. back around. Worlds to of potential, it. and that's choosing the right game system. For the story you want to tell, and we're gonna so that your mechanics do it. and your story all work together. 
Exactly. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave or Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. If you're listening to us live right now on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave, you can go through the website or through the app. But please join us on our Discord. We would love to have you. You can find a link to our Discord in our Twitter uh, uh, or at uh, off our website, which is uh, Storyteller dash Conclave slash Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. We want to give a big shout out to our Patreon members uh, who support us every month, uh, especially Knox in the Box, Sam, and Arcane Asylum. Love Thank you, you so much Thank for you. all you guys do for the show. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine or up at freemusicarchive.org. We'd like to do a special thanks to Vicky and Sean. Vicky, thank you so much for bringing my tea tonight. It was wonderful and helped out. And all of our friends who make our games wonderful and you, our listeners. We thank you so much every time you come. We love every one of you. Have a wonderful night. Good night.